Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. Enjoy this. These guys are extremely informative. I love their dialogue. I love their interpretation of the songs, who and what we are, what we were going after. They're very uh, accurate in their uh, interpretations and descriptions. And uh, just I just think this is a great show. And these guys are doing a, a stand-up stellar job. So once again, enjoy Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. I am your host, John. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com. We are live at those four fine locations every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are watching on YouTube, do not forget to click that like button, click that subscribe button, and smash that notification bell so that you are notified every time we go live. If you'd like to catch video replays of the show, check out our YouTube channel. All of our episodes are there. Check out the YouTube channel of the CMS Network. And if you'd like to download audio versions of the podcast, just Google Talking Into Infinity, and we're pretty much anywhere you can find audio podcasts. Without further ado, let me bring on my very good friend, Mr. Brian Hendrickson. He's currently in the green room in a state of suspended animation, but let's bring him on with some terminal velocity. Here he is, my good friend, Brian. What's up, man? How was that for an intro? <laughs> that, was, that was awesome, man. That was really good. I was not expecting that. That was completely out of the blue. <laughs> I, I realized it, I, I was trying to think of song titles. I was like, crap, I drew a blank. And then I was like, ooh, one's slow and the other one is fast. Let's do this. <laughs> well, I wrote out the whole set, so I should have some for later on. But uh, Oh, you did that too? <laughs> nice. Yeah, All right. Yeah. I, I, I brought that to the table as well. I figured we'd need to, you know. Well, before we get into that, I, there, I, didn't, I don't know what prompted this, but I'm looking. We have comments at 704 where you talk about the day you had... We are lucky that you are gracing us with your presence. Not only that, A, but B, that you're sober. Yes. I. So what kind of a day did you have post uh, John Petrucci? <laughs> well, well, this is predicated. Cody M. commented at 6.47 p.m., so a full 43 minutes before we went live. He says, live stream canceled. And I saw <laughs> okay. that when I jumped on at 7.04, and I, and I said... My ass. <laughs> After the day I've had, everyone's lucky I'm not showing up to this thing hammered. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, I spent um, my commute to work. My commute, my commute to work is between 35 and 40 minutes. Uh, I spent two and a half hours in traffic today. So it was uh, an hour this morning. And I was like, boy, that sucks. And then on the way home, is an hour and a half. So uh, I have had a couple beers and a little bit of bourbon. So I'm not drunk, but I, I'm I'm a little a little buzzed but just a little bit because i got to take the edge off i was just sitting there like you got to be kidding me so yeah it was it was kind of a crazy day um so i'm glad we're doing this man it's like this is like the perfect time to do a podcast you know to you know a negative day on the roads it, it's it's a perfect time to talk about what a kick-ass concert we saw last night so um so first of all uh 
what did you do? Because you you were late. So why were you late to the show? Well, I had to work late. A and B, I just you know, one hundred percent honesty, transparency. I was not that interested in seeing the opener. Okay. So I did get there. I think to see the last two or three songs. Okay. And it was okay. It was kind of what I expected. Just just really not my thing. And and um, you know, anymore, it's like. I don't like sitting around forever before concerts start, you know? <laughs> also, like, I, I was bummed because, well, we'll get into that in a second, I guess. I wanted to go, you know, do, you guys were meeting up with some of the, the Dream Theater fan group guys. Yeah. Or you were thinking of doing it. I don't know if you did. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But I wanted to do all this, all that. But then I'm like, well, man, I'm going to have to get down there so insanely early, you know, and I bust, bust out of work. And it's just sitting around too long anymore. And, and we talked about this after it was over, like, you know, he didn't even start until it was a nine fifteen. Yeah, nine fifteen. You know, and, and I'm trying not to sound like old to get off my lawn guy, but I mean, look at the average age of the people at that show, right? You know what I mean? I, you just can't tell me there's no reason these kind of shows on a Wednesday night, you know, in, in cold weather, in the middle of the week. We let's just start the thing by eight eight thirty. You know what I mean? And and again, it's going to sound, you know, but you know, we're not like going out there to get plastered and stay out till one in the morning anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's plenty of time for them to, you know, especially with just a three piece, they don't have a ton of stuff to set up in this and that. I don't know. I, I just think in general, like I would, I would definitely enjoy those type of shows a lot more if they fit into my schedule, how I want them to. <laughs> so, so what, 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 what you're saying is, is that uh, your hip was, was bothering you and you, and your prostate, you know, was not agreeing. Is that what we're? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I didn't see the average age there as being like you know anything under 55. You know? Yeah, dude, I, it was, I it was, it was sure it was. It, you know, you had, you had some young kids. I saw one young girl up in the balcony. He was like eight, but I think that was uh, okay. Hey, if you go with dad to the concert, you know, I'll 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 shell out the two grand for those Taylor Swift tickets to Cincinnati <laughs> or something. I thought there was right. some kind of deal making going on in that. Sure. Did you have yeah. some younger people down there on the floor? Because you, you, we were totally opposite. I was in the balcony, and you were what fourth row, third row, yeah, third third row center, and um, yeah, like when he pointed, he said, you know, is there anybody like we, when he was talking about like oh we formed the band you know when we were eighteen is there anybody here is eighteen and he pointed at the crowd and he's like really eighteen like they were literally over my uh, left shoulder behind me. So these two kids were there. It was two of them, not even just one. It was like two kids. They were like buddies hanging out at the John Petrucci show. I thought that was really cool. And, um, you know, there was uh, – we'll, we'll get to this when we talk about hanging out with the Dream Theater USA fan club, which is good to see Everett and, and Robert Reams and all those guys. But um, <laughs> Chris Aiken in the chat, good to see you, man. He says, Brian was late because he was stuck at his 4.30 supper. Hashtag Gramps. <laughs> I like the term supper, too. What time is supper? <laughs> yeah, when is supper? Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, the, the the kids were behind me, but, I mean, in front of us, it was, I mean, and I'm not using this term, you know, to be derogatory, but it was people with white hair. I was shocked. Like, I, I understand that, like, it's, it's an, you know, not a young crowd that gets into Dream Theater and, you know, the musicians in the band and stuff like that, but it was... I was really kind of surprised. There were, I mean, the, I, I'm not even joking. I think the two people that were like, you know, second row, center in front of us, they they at least were in their late 60s. Yeah, I, it was it was crazy. I'm like, what are they, man? Like, that's. <laughs> I, I at first I thought like, okay, what are they doing here? And then I thought, 
well, that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> like, I, I hope I'm still going to these shows when I'm in my late 60s. You know, that's that's awesome. So, yeah, I, I got there. Um, I got there as Mean Streak was starting. And me and my buddy Jimmy were there. And we weren't in our seats for the first song. We were grabbing a beverage. So we did that. And then we basically sat down, like, you know, as they're going into their second song. So I saw... I heard the whole set, but I, I saw, um, you know, all but one, and it was it was cool, man. It was interesting. I, it, I was listening to the riffs and stuff like that, and it's like you could tell it's very, you know, eighties because they said you know it's the thirty the thirty year reunion tour. They joked about that, and um, you know, and it, and it you know, to me. The riffs were kind of simplistic and everything like that, but you know it hit pretty good. The drummer was cool as hell to me. The drummer kind of looked like a female Joey Belladonna to me. Like if you look at Joey Belladonna with like the, the crooked baseball cap and like the you know I'm the man video and stuff like that. And um, and it, as I was like watching the show, it's like it kind of hits you that okay, well that's Mike Portnoy's wife, that's John Petrucci's wife, that's you know John Myung's wife, and it it, it kind of it kind of changed my experience because it really kind of gave it a familial feel and it made it kind of fun. It made it a little more personal, a little more intimate, you know, and it was, I thought I I was thinking to myself, like, that's gotta be kind of cool, you know? And like we were talking before, before we jumped on air, the lead singer, you know, she, you could tell she was a little awkward working the crowd. I'm sure, you know, I don't, I don't know what she does, but you could tell she was, it was a little weird for her, but I'm looking at her like, man, like, I wonder what she does for a living. <laughs> like, because, you know, like the three Dream Theater wives, you know, they've got their income. They don't got to, you know, they don't got to do whatever. This this woman, I'm going, okay, is she a teacher? Like, is she an accountant? Does she have to, like, go to her boss and be like, hey, like, you know, I, I need, I need like, a month and a half off. I need to leave because I got to go on tour. <laughs> like, so, yeah. <laughs> Chris Aiken, yeah. He says, Joy Belladonna? <laughs> exactly um yeah she was cool man it was it was interesting and it, it was it was so weird to see like mike portnoy's wife playing guitar and i i, I get it like just because your last name is portnoy doesn't mean you have to play drums but i think in your mind you kind of picture like if it's portnoy it's drums but no she was like the rhythm guitar player she played a couple leads here and there and um I mean, it was it was cool so is the drummer I, the only one that's not related to anyone the singer as well the singer as well okay. So, um, you know, it was, and I mean, the bass player and the lead guitar player, it was obvious because the lead guitar player is John Petrucci's wife and she's playing this beautiful sparkle blue majesty. And yeah. then, um, John Myung's wife is playing this beautiful, like red sparkle, Myung signature bass. <laughs> like it was, you know, pretty obvious. I, in fact, we were, we were wondering as the show was going on, like we were wondering if, uh, John's wife what rena sands if she was playing through his rig i i just pictured that like all right you're coming on tour but you're you're, you're playing on my rig it makes it easier on maddie my tech <laughs> like, <laughs> nice so i mean did you enjoy the couple songs that you got to see or there was a couple parts in, in a song or two you know it just wasn't for me i mean i that's a i don't know who's supposed to open for john petrucci you know you know what i mean yeah like, it's a ridiculously tall ask, you know, let alone you throw in Portnoy up there too, you know, like that's just, I mean, who's, who's going to be able to pull that off? I, 
Yeah. You know, I don't know. You just have liquid tension experiment open for the, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Joe Satriani, you know what I mean? I mean, he's not going to, you know, he's going to be more of a headliner, you know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. So, you know, it was fine. I mean, I, again, it's, you know, you can make the old jokes all you want, but it's like, just kind of like now when I'm out, like, I know what I want to see, I know what I want to do. And like, I just don't really like the risk of sounding like, I don't know what the word is, but you know, like I just don't want to wake, waste my time, I guess. You know, <laughs> if I, if I know I'm not going to be into something. I am probably not going to mess around. With it. You know, if it's a Friday night, it's another story, but like I said, it's a Wednesday, like, you know, I don't want to get down there three hours early or whatever, but, uh, yeah. So go back to that. So you did you meet up with some of the the fan club guys then, or I did, I did. Um, real quick, Chris Minix checking in. Good to see you, man. He says hi, guys. Good to see you, bro. Uh, Joe Gebhart says I didn't know my own's wife was in the band as well. Yeah, she is the bass player. So there were three Dream Theater wives. That's that's actually how they all met. Was because you know they're all musicians and stuff, which is pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I met, I met up with the guys from uh, the Dream Theater USA fan club, uh, Everett and uh, Robert Reams. Robert Reams and I actually hung out at Barrio, and then uh, we went over to Pizza 216, and we were hanging out for quite a bit. So uh, there there he is. So Ro there's Robert Reams. What's hey. up? Checking in. Perfect timing. Perfect timing, man. We're talking about you right now. So, yeah, Robert and I hung out uh, at Barrio and at, at Pizza 216, and I introduced him to some really good Cleveland food, and... Uh, it, it was a good time, man, and, and seeing Everett was really cool. Um, yeah, it was it was a good time, man. We we were sitting there just bullshitting, and there was a guy from Detroit there. Um, I'm trying to think what the other guy's name was. I, he was at the first hangout that you and I were at for the okay. view from top of the world. I, I think I think his name is John. I'm I'm bad with names, so I apologize if he's tuned in. But um, and I and come to find out when I sit down, he's actually immediately in the seat next to me. Oh, so nice. didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, it was cool. There was like five or six of us, and um, it was it was a really good time. There was a security guy that came over from the House of Blues. He was only 19 years old, and we started grilling him with questions like, "How are you into Dream Theater?" and you know, like, "What what's your favorite record?" Like this, that, and the other. And um, it was it was fun talking to him because it was it, it was a very fresh perspective. He said he just got into him like two or three years ago, and um, just completely went down the rabbit hole. And he he's he's just hooked, and he knew all the song titles and stuff, and um, it was it was fun. It was really cool talking to him, and we we just had a great conversation. It was you know just like I said, it was six of us just kind of sitting there bullshitting about Dream Theater, and um, it was it was a great time. Those guys are really really nice, and there's no trivia this time, so um, it, it was funny because Everett mentioned to the guys, he's like, yeah, this guy with the trivia, because I I won the one that we were at. And I looked over at the dude from Detroit. I was like, don't mess with me because this guy was talking about like Spock's beard and all these crazy <laughs> side projects. I'm like, don't think I'd beat his ass. That guy knows way more than I do. Yeah. So um, our good friend Kristen Goodwin is checking in. She says, finally made it to a live. Whew. So sad I missed the D.C. fan club meetup. Well, the fan clubs are great, Kristen. So if you ever get a chance to go hang out with the fan, it's great. It's you lose track of time talking music with those guys. It's it, they, they do a great job. So definitely check that out. Uh, Chris Minnick, he says, saw the show last Saturday in Minneapolis. Curious to get your take on the show. Well, Chris, we weren't in Minneapolis, so I can't give you my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I beat Brian to the joke. <laughs> what we saw of it was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> the online. But I do have a question. Did you get your your order that you wanted at Pizza Two One Six? Because you like had that thing scoped out like days in advance. Oh, what you were hell getting yeah. There. yeah, yep. 
Yep, sausage chick, uh, sausage grilled chicken and fresh mozzarella. And then uh, we we tried the garlic knots. I mean, this is fascinating for all the Dream Theater fans. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was good, man. And so, Ro- like, yeah, Robert and I were hanging out with the guys from the fan club at Barrio. And then we went down the street to Pizza 216. Just he and I were bullshitting and stuff like that. And then uh, met up with my buddy Jimmy. Uh, and he and I went, you know, went over and hung out a corner alley for a bit. You know, had a few drinks and then um, went into the show. And it was like I said, got there right as Mean Streak was starting, and uh, it was it was a cool night, man. It was like everything went smoothly. It was like easy to get in and out. You know, I saw a lot of friends, like musician buddies of mine, were there, which was really cool. And um, it was, man, oh man, I, it, it's one of those weird things. Like it, you know, I'll I'll, ju- I'll jump in with you on the, on the whole like, oh, don't play so late. Like I'll I'll do my own thing. It's like it's it's nice. It, it it's it's nice to have a show that's easy to get in and out of and not be like forcing my way to the front and dealing with a mosh pit and all that kind of crap it's like you know yes. it, actually having seats was kind of nice even though we were crammed in like sardines it doesn't help that i'm a fat piece of shit but um yeah i was trying to look down i, I meant to i was gonna try to run down there real quick between the two bands and i and i sort of didn't but but I was trying to look, and I'm like, "How do? Where are the seats even there? Like, I'm like, it looks like everyone was standing, but it was it so cramped that you couldn't even hardly sit, or what was the deal there? No, you could sit, and it was it was definitely you know assholes to elbows. I mean, they, they really yeah. had those seats, like there was no room. Okay. So, um, but we were standing for Petrucci because it was just you know it, it was rocking. So it's like about halfway through the show, he went into a mellow song, and we'll get into the set list here in a minute. He yeah. went into a mellow song, and we kind of stood up and you know, or, you know, or, excuse me, sat down and, and got like a little bit of a break. So, um, Chris Aiken, he asks, sold out or close to it? No, it was a sold out show. Uh, actually, most if not all of the dates on this tour sold out, and and relatively quickly too. This was this was a popular, this was a popular tour, man. And and you know, it it, it helps that it's the only time he's ever done it, so you don't know if he's ever going to do it again. So, you know, especially when it's like, what, 15, 16 years between records. So I, yeah. I guess in 15, 16 years, you know, Brian, when we're on episode like 428 of Talking Into Infinity, we'll do this episode again. I mean, I'm alive in 15, 16 years. Let's, I, I wouldn't take that bet for sure. <laughs> right. John Horgan, thanks for, cho- thanks for checking the show out, man. Appreciate it. Uh, he says, cramped for sure. Yeah, it was, man, it was tight. So there must have been something scary about me and, and, and save your comments to yourself. But, man, I had like a five minute uh, pat down with the metal detectors to get in there. <laughs> you know, it's just me, you know, because I got there later and like there's no one else in front of me behind me. And it was like, yeah, turn around. I do this. I do this. I'm like, what kind of like, you know, terrorists do they think show up at a Petrucci, <laughs> you know, John Petrucci Portnoy show? I, I don't know. It was, it was a little strange. It wasn't like we were going to see, you know slipknot or something I don't know. <laughs> right yeah i i didn't and i do my, my belt buckles metal i'm always like metal belt buckle watch couple rings like take the crap out of my pockets and they wave and like okay go through like you know so that's that's man <laughs> robert reams <laughs> it was almost like going through tsa <laughs> yeah it, it really was it was it was just it just struck me as odd i'm like okay look at the crowd that's in here like i i don't know i guess yep. i guess the guy was probably bored because no one had come through in a while so he's gonna you know get his nine dollars an hour or whatever you know worth the work <laughs> yeah, out of him. right like Kristen goodwin obviously potential for a lot of contraband <laughs> oh, yeah man. sure um 
yeah but it was you know it was it was nice to get in and out quickly and um you know just have a place to sit know where you're going i mean that that's why i got there pretty much right as the show was starting because it's you know normally for a general admission show you got to get in fight your way up front try and get like a good view and this one not so much it was well, that, it that, was cool that was the other thing was when i got there bob was already in his seat obviously because they were i think about two-thirds through the set or whatever three-fourths mm -hmm. and so i'm looking and of course he's dead in the middle of this row of 20 seats <laughs> and i knew that they only had like three songs and i'm like well this is kind of stupid i'm like i'm not even gonna i'll just wait till they're done you know so i just yeah in the back until then or whatever and I was good. I did not uh, get one of the sixteen dollar, you know, beers. <laughs> Although they are twenty four ounces, but I'm still. I was just like, I was just in that full old guy mode of like, I'm just not paying this. You know, <laughs> of course. Well, we of same, course, you were. We, we did the same thing with the merch. We both kind of looked at it. Or like, ah, we kind of want it, but fifty bucks. You know, I, I would have bought the t shirt if I wasn't closing on a house soon. I'm like, all right, I've, I gotta be somewhat responsible because, and, and of course, I think that way at the merch table, and yet, you know at the bar you know jimmy and i walk in and they're like i'm like miller light and a twisted tea okay 27 dollars. <laughs> no 13 more bucks i could add a t-shirt but no i've got to have a tall boy so you know you did bring um, up a good point about the venue though and it's i guess because the last three or four shows i was at were at the agora i hadn't been at house of blues in a while i could not believe how small it is like and i guess it was just from being at the agora you know and not that the agora is massive but i sat down and i'm like bob like we saw a kill switch here like it didn't look this small then you know <laughs> but you just like i don't know you get a new perspective once you haven't been there in a while and you're like man this place really is but it's i i still i still maintain there is no better place to see a show than being in the balcony there at house of blues i mean you're right there I mean, you can see everything great. You have an awesome seat. That sound is amazing. Like, you know, no yep. one's like bothering you. And and uh, the worst thing you have to deal with maybe is some people, you know, watching the whole show through their phones. But people are actually pretty good about that, honestly. Yeah. So I want I want to bring up Joe Gebhardt's comment, and then you mentioned something that I was going to bring up. So, um, real quick, Joe Gebhardt says, "Was the atmosphere similar to a Dream Theater show, or was there more involvement from the crowd?" Usually Dream Theater's crowd is on the quieter side, just enjoying the show and music. No, it was basically that. I would actually say it was it was less than a Dream Theater show, really. Um, because it was basically like one, you know, it was an hour and 45 minute long guitar solo, Joe. So it was, you're kind of just sitting there going, you know, I mean, I don't mean like, you know, and we'll get to this later. But every single song as it ended, I went, God damn. Like, it's just, you're like, what am I watching? So yeah, it was it was a little bit more laid back than a dream theater show, honestly. But um, we did have one dude in the balcony, and you, you obviously wouldn't have seen him. And it was just that one guy where you're like, "All right, I'm glad we're not sitting by him." Because yeah. remember the scenes from a memory, the dude busting his head open, and all this, and yes. this wasn't quite there. But he finally sort of settled down halfway through. But man, I mean, the first three or four songs, he's standing, he's like flailing, and he's like two rows from the balcony i'm like i'm glad this guy's not in the front because i mean <laughs> he's like just going crazy and i mean good for him man he's getting into it and he's really you know, rocking out and i was i was glad but also it's like okay you don't want to sit with this sit next to this guy for four songs you know because it's just like, <laughs> right it's annoying a and b or like afraid he's gonna hurt himself or hurt somebody else you were but, you were looking for a you were looking for a, a stage monitor to put in front of him. Be like, all right, let's let's get this guy to bust his head open and get out of here. Like like in 2019 in Chicago. Um, real quick, so 
All right, so Michael Gall Productions says, it was good meeting you guys at Pizza 216. Yeah, man. It was awesome sitting next to him bullshitting, dude. Thanks for tuning into the show. Uh, Michael is a... And if, if if I'm getting your name wrong, I apologize, Michael. I'm, I'm notoriously terrible with names. So, um, But yeah, we uh, Robert and I sat down next to this dude, and um, we just ended up bullshitting and stuff. I... I admittedly i did walk in i saw him as i was sitting down and he's wearing a sweet water hat and i went you're going to the john petrucci show aren't you and he's like yeah and i'm like yep saw the sweet sweet water hat <laughs> so how did you know um, he wasn't going to bullet boys at grog shop <laughs> did you know that was last night too i had no idea yeah they uh they played there i was trying to see how many people actually went to that like i would have totally gone to that at the grog shop hell yeah why not i think it was Jesus. like 12 bucks to get in or something i kind of feel bad for him wow why (laughs) (laughs) that's our that's our talking into infinity poll of the night would you rather see john petrucci solo tour or bullet boys with mark torian (laughs) put your votes in the chat (laughs) so yeah i heard they um, did a great show yeah so you mentioned something about like you know people on their phones and everything dude so i was absolutely shocked at the amount of people that were like filming things because of the age of the crowd like, I thought that was, like, you know, 20s, 30s, whatever. Like, like people younger than you and I. I thought that was something that they did. And man, there was this one guy up in the front row at the corner, like, right at the corner of the stage. He filmed pretty much the entire show. He's just sitting there with his phone like this. Like, just sitting there, like, watching the show. Just, like, looking at the show. Like, I mean, the whole time. I'm like, what are you doing? And And there were a lot of people doing that. Like, I have one video from the show, and it's like, not even two minutes long, and it's like Mike Portnoy like doing like a, a an extended jam at the end of one of the songs, and I'm like, dude, I haven't seen Mike Portnoy live in you know, at least with John Petrucci since 2010. So like, I want to get something. I was taking pictures to put on our pages and stuff, but these people are filming a ton of stuff, and I'm going, what the heck? Where are you going to post this? Like, are you going to really go back and watch all this? <laughs> like, especially that guy. I'm like, are you going to go home and like plug your phone into something and like download it and? Be like, yeah, like, here's the whole John Petrucci show. Like, I I couldn't understand. Yeah, like, it was the weirdest thing to me. I've had two. I might have brought this up before. I had two instances of shows before. One of which was uh, Brian Adams acoustic. It was basically him and a piano player, and it was down at Playhouse Square. It was an amazing, amazing show. And right in front of me, his chick's got her phone out. <laughs> I, let, I let her go for like a minute, and then I tapped her on the shoulder. And she's like, she got literally scared. She, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like. And then it was done because I'm like, I'm not going to sit and watch this through your phone when it's right there, literally right there in right. front of me, you know, like. And another time was was when Bob and I were at Kill Switch. It was the same thing. This dude's right in front of us. And like, if you film it on the side and, you know, it, it bothers me, but it's not like I'm looking at trying to watch the show and I got to watch through your phone, you know. But it was the same thing. And this guy was like, rawr, rawr, rawr. like, I thought he was going to, like, do something. But how was he, that again? Yeah, exactly. I mean. <laughs> Well, the people was t- like he was so so hammered he could barely even hold his phone up as it was, you know. And I was like, dude, you're not gonna do that all night. And he's just like, you know, he just stares at me like like I'm just completely insane for you know. That that's the part that gets me. Like you're just totally nuts for telling someone to stop. Like this yes. is where we are with this. But yeah, there was people filming it, you know, in the balcony. But it wasn't it wasn't nonstop and it was here and there. And again, as long as it's not right, you know, in my eyes view of the of the thing but i don't i don't get it i don't you're just you're missing the whole damn experience when you do that it, like and then like you said you can't you're not going to watch it because it's going to look and sound like crap 
because yeah. somebody with a really good phone or whatever recording device is already going to put it on YouTube. So just watch it on there, you know? Yep. Yeah. Kristen Goodwin, she says, literal boomer buddy, or sorry, literal boomer buddy next to me in, in the front row at my show with his phone right in his face. I mean, JP and Dave LaRue were three inches from our faces and you have your phone in your face. Uh, my, Michael Gall Productions, he says, I went to Tool at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, and they would kick you out if you took your phone out. Good. Sh Shades of the Astonishing Tour. Uh, Robert Husted, pretty simple. Taking some pictures and videos of the show is all right, but not the entire show. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I Like, what are you doing? I, dude, I got annoyed with myself. I was trying to get that little bit of video footage of, of Portnoy playing, and I'm like looking around my phone. I'm going, what the hell are you doing, you dickhead? Yeah, because <laughs> like, the shows you're trying to Yeah. Play. Yeah, it's it's and, and people say like, oh well, it's the same thing, and I can film what I want when I want this. It's like yeah, but you know, I did it last night, and I don't ever really do that, like taking video. But as I'm doing it, I'm looking at the phone, making sure it's centered and stuff. And I was like, and then I would look around the side and look at it happening. I'm like, it's a totally different experience. Like this, I I, I, I don't get it. Like you know, I I was that guy for about a minute, and then I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> so. You actually got um, some really good pictures. I couldn't get anything good from where I was. I tried getting one at the end, and it was like everyone's already standing. It's just, you know, about that is, I guess, the downside if you want to get some decent pictures about. Yeah, it's probably not the place to do it. But I mean, I guess I could yeah. walk downstairs real quick. I basically just I took him to like the post on our Twitter and Facebook pages and stuff like that. Twitter at T I I D T podcast. If you guys want to follow us, um, obviously we got the Facebook page. Some of you guys are tuned into the Facebook page, so thanks for that. Um, yeah, I just wanted to have some stuff to post, and I figured I'd post them after we talked about it tonight. So, um, so I mean, getting into the show itself, Brian, when I, when I downloaded the set list today, and you did the same thing, I was actually kind of surprised. Like, a, a full disclosure, like I know that I know the material, but instrumental stuff tends to blend together for me, so I'm terrible with song titles and what record it comes from and stuff like that. So I was really surprised. It was an eleven-song show. It was about an hour and 45 minutes, and out of the 11 songs, only four of them were from Suspended Animation. And I, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because Terminal Velocity is the new record, but on a tour like this, I wasn't thinking, okay, well, he's going to play everything you know, from the new record because it's the new record. I'm like, well, he's only got two, and he's never toured before, so I thought it would be like more of an even balance, but it, but it wasn't. It was... It was it really leaned heavily on the terminal velocity stuff. So, I, you know, that was that was kind of interesting. And my very first reaction to the show, and I, I'll be interested to get your first reaction. I could not stop watching Portnoy. And it's not because I'm like, oh, I hope he gets back in Dream Theater. It's nothing to do with that. You know, it wasn't even, holy shit, I haven't seen him with John Petrucci since you and I saw I mean, dude, honestly, the last time we saw Portnoy with Dream Theater Live was that show we saw in Columbus, one of the one of the four headliners they did on the Black Clouds tour when we were down in Columbus, Ohio. And um, it wasn't even that. It was just, dude, that guy has this stage presence and this magnetism to him. And I, I'm like, holy crap. I'm like watching him like, oh, yeah, John Petrucci. And I'd watch him and I'd go back and forth. And I felt so I felt like really guilty because then I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a bass player <laughs> like and Dave LaRue is world class. <laughs> so, I mean, what was your like initial reaction once once the whole thing kicked off? I think, like you said, I think it added a lot. I think 
and I'm, I'm interested to get your take on this because he kind of did what the cover band drummer guys do in the party bands. I don't know if your drummer does this or not. Maybe not, but a lot of them do, you know, where it's like the, you know, they're just playing along with the audience and they're, and they're putting on a show and they're laughing and they're pointing and doing this and that. And he was doing that all night, but it was Mike Portnoy. So it didn't bother me. And right. I think, I think it helped. It kept it light. Like you, you need, you need like a lightness, a sense of humor, not that Petrucci, what he's doing is darker any anyway, but it's it's so damn serious and technical and complicated yes. musically, and uh, and your your ear literally never gets a break from guitar. You don't get to hear you know piano or, or Jordan come in with something, yep, you know, or any vocals come in, obviously. So like you 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 need some kind of other distraction, I think, in in, in a in a situation like that. And uh, I thought he was. He, it, the funniest part was I was telling my brother about it was seeing the kit, like because normally it's a kit so big that you can't even see him behind. I had, keep going. I had the same exact well, thought. Go ahead. Okay. Well, and then the other funny thing is like they did, they did not want to pull that giant blanket or whatever cover that was covering the kit until he came out. Like it was this big secret. Like this <laughs> right. over here. Like what was right. that whole deal? Like I, I thought yeah. I thought like the you know the body of Jimmy Hoffa or something was gonna. Speaking <laughs> of a boomer reference, right? But it's nice. like, what? What is the big secret um, here? Like to hide Portnoy's drums from everyone? Like, yeah, I don't know, no one can see his drums. I, I thought that was kind of funny or just just goofy. Yeah, but, it was. Yeah, when he when he he came out and 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 you could just tell the guys, you know, considering what they've sort of been through with the whole drama behind it, like you can just tell they're just they're just the best of friends, and that's, I think that shows up, you know. Yep. Everett's tuning in. Everett, what's up, man? Good to see you, Everett. We just talked about our hangout last night. Thanks for having us and hosting again. We had a blast. I did. Brian obviously wasn't there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so to your point, Robert Reams, he said they looked like they were having so much fun playing. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. It's like like his like goofy like tricks and stuff. Like I get if you were if you were watching just like an average drummer do that, it's like you kind of look at that and go, OK, well, this guy's trying to take away from the fact that there's not much going on but with mike it's it, it's just fun it adds to the show like you said it, it added a lightness it made the show a little more personal like i don't know if you saw but there was one time he he threw a stick across the stage uh to john petrucci's uh, uh guitar tech maddie and he chucked it at him and maddie dropped it in this like throw it back throw it back and he threw it and he caught it like he was doing the bounce it off the snare a couple times you know last night and tried to yep. you know catch it you know so yeah it was it like as a showman it's just again like i'll go i'll fall back on that word i used you know a minute ago like magnetism you just you can't help but watch that guy and it's like i i, I think i finally nailed down last night why there is such a difference between Mangini and Dream Theater and Portnoy and Dream Theater. And I think, you know, and before I say this, I don't want anybody listening to this or watching this to think like I'm campaigning for Portnoy to come back or, you know, saying, you know, Portnoy sucks compared to Mangini. It's not that. This is just two different drummers and there's two different fives. And I've, ne I've never quite been able to put my finger on why, you know, Portnoy was so different from Mangini even though they're playing pretty much the same stuff you know um I think it's like Portnoy feels like a rock drummer and acts like a rock drummer and Mangini is much more he's that precise technical progressive you know it's like two it, 
and, and I, I I knew that before, but like now having seen it recently, you know, we've seen you know John Petrucci play with Portnoy and Mangini inside of a year. I think it really kind of you've got something to compare it against. So. I, I think I really nailed that down. So I can see, you know, the the people that are, you know, the you know, in that camp of, oh, we gotta get Mike Portnoy back. Like, okay, I get that. Like they do have this insane chemistry together. And it it's just ridiculous. But, you know, Mangini brings so much to the band in a different way. And I think they're both great. And it was I, I tell you what, man, like for me, it was really, really it was so refreshing to see Portnoy with him again. It was like because that's like that's kind of like it's kind of like this not kind of like it is nostalgic you know that's kind of like what we remember and them like looking at each other and goofing off and stuff like that and you know like robert ream said like you could tell they're really having fun and it was just so much fun to see that and i hope i hope their collaborations continue like wouldn't it be the, wouldn't it this would be like the perfect situation if like dream theater continues in their current iteration and then john and portnoy can continue to do stuff and you know, like maybe LTE keeps going or something like, wouldn't that be great? Because it's like, you get the best of both worlds. You know what I mean? Well, John, and obviously you remember this, he pointed out like, you know, I met this guy when we were both 18 at Berkeley. And I think to go back to your point, he's so comfortable in his own skin and their relationship and their bond as brothers and having gone through all that. And I think there is a underlying pressure whether it's real or not, that's felt by Mangini to come in. You're the outsider. Most of the people there don't even want you there, you know, and you have to show that not only do you fit in, but that you're as good or better the drummer than Mangini. And I think that's just an impossible thing to live up to. And so he never gets to really just get back there and relax, you know, and he'll probably, if you did an interview, he probably will finally just now say, maybe I'm kind of starting to feel that way. And I'm sure the first, you know, however many years it's been, 12 or whatever, <clears throat> we're not that way at all. And yeah. uh, I, I just I just think it's just, you know, it's different when, you, when you've gone through all that with somebody and you're friends with them and you've known that long and, the, and, and, and you're the new guy. It's just, it's just always going to be different. And, and I don't think there's any getting away from that. And it's weird because there was times when I just like, I, I almost forgot he was Mike Portnoy, like. Hey, you know, he <laughs> right. used to be in Dream Theater, and I just thought, oh, he was the guy that we just saw in Sons of Apollo, you know, like, yeah, I guess because it's been so long, you know, not that I don't obviously remember or recognize that, but I just almost don't even think of him in that in that way anymore. That, but, yeah, yeah, I, but I think it's just, like I said, I think there's just a lot of undue weight and pressure and, and you know, it's not a competition. No. I <laughs> Chris Aiken. Hey Nuno, it's Mike Mangini. Looks like I might be available to come back to Extreme soon. <laughs> oh, it's nothing like that. Um, I, I would disagree with only one thing that you said. You said, you know, that you know, and maybe you slipped like, you know, being live, but you said like most fans are like, you know, wanting Mike Portnoy back. You you meant you made reference to that. Like I don't think it's most. I mean, there's obviously that vocal segment that does, but I think I don't think it's most. That's only yeah. Thing I no, I, I should I shouldn't have said most, but you know, let's just say if they have three million fans around the world and half, you know, are against you. You know what I mean? Like, yep. A, we got we got a couple of good points in the chat. Michael Gall Production says I think Mangini doesn't have the full writing partnership in Dream Theater that Portnoy did. I think Portnoy had a lot more sway. Um, you're 100 percent accurate. I mean, Portnoy was the leader. He started everything. I mean, it's. 
you know, I mean, to, to phrase it pretty simply, I mean, it, you know, some people are, are more comfortable in like a leadership role. Some people are more comfortable kind of like being behind the scenes and stuff like, you know, Brian, I, th- I think like you and I, like you're more comfortable like in kind of a, like a co-host roles, like with, you know, whereas I'm more comfortable like bellowing and doing the show intro and all that kind of stuff. It's, you know what I mean? It's like a different personality type, I think. Uh, Kristen Goodwin says, poor Mike Mangini. I say it all the time. He's just amazing and a great guy. I feel like it's never enough for some people. That was a dream theater pun without you even knowing it, Kristen. But, um, yeah, I, I completely agree with that too. Um, the thing that I, I, I liked most about last night, I, I can't say most, but I, I was really happy about, there was not a single note of dream theater music. And we talked about this at the, at the dream theater USA fan club hangout. You know, we were, you know, positing whether or not they would. And, and you know, we all agreed, like, there's no way. Because as soon as you play, like, even, like, the tiniest thing, then the fans are just going to go bonkers. Like, oh, they played Dream Theater. He's coming back. Like, and uh, the security guy that we met up with at that hangout told us that he was there for soundcheck and was watching it. And they played The Odd Father. And then they started playing Pull Me Under. So in the soundcheck, they were playing Dream Theater stuff. And we kind of laughed about that because it was like, you know, you guys haven't been on stage together in over a decade. Yep. And you're going to play Dream Theater together and you play fucking Pull Me Under. Like, I would have loved them to come out on the encore and just start out those beginning notes on guitar just to watch people lose their I mind. know, right? Not knowing that they're not really going to play it, but I don't know. It would just be fun, you know? Just or, or, like while the lights are all down, you're like expecting the encores to go bam, 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 bam. The crowd goes nuts and wait like three minutes and they just walk out and play something completely different. <laughs> just completely tease everybody. That would just be so funny. So, um, yeah, it, I mean, dude, this show was like, it was, I will say it was really loud. I, I was like half deaf leaving last night, but I was on the floor like right up by the stage. Uh, but the sound was fantastic. I, I will say with the mix... I would have liked a little bit more drums and bass because it was obviously it's Petrucci, so it's going to be guitar heavy because that's what you're there to see. But I think at some point, so, some points of the show, I should say, it, the dynamics were lost just a hair for me because there wasn't enough of, you know, the bass fill and, you know, it just, but that's like the most minor gripe. Otherwise, I thought it was absolutely fucking killer. I mean, that, that that's really my... My overarching take on the whole show, it was just unbelievable. And, and not that you go in there wondering whether or not it's going to be good or whether you're going to enjoy it. Like, you know it's going to kick ass, but, like, it just, it, man, literally, like I said at the beginning of the show, like, you just, after every song, you just go, God damn. <laughs> like, like, what are we watching here? So, yeah, I, I I guess we probably don't want to just go song by song and do the whole thing that way, but I, I had some notes on some songs. Like, so... Sure, go for it. We'll just go quick. So it's terminal velocity starts off happy song. I love that. I, 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 you, I was thinking of you exactly when that hit. I was like, dude, Hendrix is up there going, yeah. Oh, I was kind of bummed they played it so early, but it's cool anyway. Jaws of Life, and then Odd Father, and he talks about it. And it, it, there's that super fast picking where it's like, and and obviously it's a twist on on the Godfather theme song, right? But it's like, how does he play that part? so fast like I, I don't know it's just ridiculous like and then that that song has so many but he even admitted at the end of this he's like that's a really crazy song. i forgot what, what <laughs> word did he use he's like that is a really ridiculously crazy song yeah like, he even was like 
I don't even know where where that came like because it just keeps building and building and building and it has that 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 same tapping thing at the end, which I absolutely love. Yep. Like and, he, and he's able to just keep working that in and I just don't know. Like you can see somebody go shred and you can see somebody jam, you know, <laughs> like this, right. this is not that. This is just taking the melodic element, constantly adding it, constantly evolving it, sometimes adding a second and third motif movement, however you want to look at it, phrase sure. to it. But he, I don't know how he, there's a couple songs where it's not, maybe maybe some of the stuff off the first album where it's, you know, he does, it's not quite as developed, but most of them are. And it's just like, how does he keep doing this? And then how does how does yeah. he keep doing Dream Theater too? Like, okay, well, I'll play the same melody now. We'll go an octave higher, and I'll kind of change the sound a little bit, so you don't know it. But you're, you, it's the yeah. same song, but it sounds a little bit different. But it's progressing, and it's moving on. And out of the blue, uh, that's probably one of the only few ones where I was like, eh. But then I'm like, you know what? If he's gonna play a, a blues type song, I want it to sound like that. You know, a fusion. Well, yeah. And that was my reaction to it was I was like, oh, my God, what can't what can't he do? Yeah. Yeah. He goes into that. And it's like I kind of got a vibe like uh, uh, since I've been loving you by Led Zeppelin like that. Yeah. And this it was so mellow and laid back like that. It was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was like a, like, a Gary, uh, Gary Moore type feel. But then after that, they go into and we'll talk about this because I know you want to talk about this uh, tunnel vision. I, probably my favorite song on the first album. Okay. absolutely love that song and then that's the song where at the end they do the the drum the drums thing that mangini oh. mangini <laughs> there i go portnoy yeah <laughs> portnoy did where it's just like da, 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 da. and then he just keeps playing and playing and like that's you said, what it was I got almost three, of, yep. three minutes long but you almost i started to get that vibe of like oh this it kind of sounds like metropolis a little bit da, 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 da. <laughs> you know, i was like i was waiting for just kind of like you were talking about like were they gonna do dream theater i was like i started to feel because I've always kind of thought the end of that anyway sort of had a metropolis type feel the way he starts doing that. Yep, that I agree. Yep. But then, man, they dragged that out for almost three minutes, and Portnoy yeah. just keeps throwing in the coolest, coolest thing. You know, double bass and changing the time signature, and it was never, it was never overblown. Like, oh, Mike Portnoy is going to do a solo. It was just always this contained, very musical type thing. You know yep. what I mean? I completely agree. Like, and I, I thought this one was the point where. It w- okay, so follow me here. Like, let me finish my statement because it's gonna sound shitty at first. I thought this was where one of those. It, to me, the I love these moments when I see live bands go into like an improv section. I, it, at first, when he kept going and going and going, I'm like, okay, this is getting lengthy. But it went on so long that it got cool again. Like, if that makes sense. Like, and I just love that. And that's why I started taking video. Like when I realized it was just gonna keep going and, and looping around. You know that did it and did it whatever the. You know, that heavy guitar riff and yep. Portnoy's just doing all these different things. I was like, dude, he's going to go over top of this in every, you know, different six ways to Sunday he can possibly think of. Like, I love that. And but but you absolutely nailed it. Like there was never it's like, OK, he's just going to sit here and do a drum solo like that. Ne- like that never happened. We'll get back to your notes in a quick second, because I want to ask you a real quick question about that. Like, how surprised were you that there wasn't? that just hey here's mike portnoy like it was the 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 solo parts that he had were you know they had musical accompaniment it was part of the presentation it wasn't just okay like dave larue had like a cool little thing you know but you know that was more of a solo than portnoy got and i was really surprised by that i mean i guess i shouldn't have been but were you surprised by that or honestly no because i don't think petrucci's 
put this together with that in mind as much as he appreciates how insane of a drummer Portnoy is and and I think maybe he kind of thinks a little bit like we do and like the fans do you know try to keep it keep it uh, musical you know um, a drum solo to me is can be cool but I don't know that there's anything all that musical about it you know what I mean <laughs> sure. I, I don't know and it, that sounds like a weird word to use I guess but uh, yeah I think it was I, I, this, I think it was a great choice not to not to do you know something like that because i I guess it gets to a point of like okay if he's gonna do a solo you can't have mike portnoy do like a two-minute drum solo you know but you don't want him up there for 20 minutes either so then like it's always well what's the perfect length of a drum solo and and all this and that and um going back to my notes on on a couple things here after listening to some of the songs today i have a question for you i'm trying to figure out if we missed having a rhythm guitar I would say no. no. Um, I mean, you notice it because, you know, he does layer his solo records because I don't think the intention was ever to tour it. Right. But, dude, when you've got John Petrucci ripping your face off, especially for me, like 10 feet in front of you, who gives a shit about a rhythm guitar? I mean, are we, are, are we there to see power chords and single note riffs low on the neck? Like, no, we give me the shred. <laughs> so, no, I'm not saying that, but just on after going back and listening to Oddfather, because I, I, you know, I'd only kind of heard the song a couple times before. And then after seeing it live, I was like, I got to go back and listen to this again. I was like, man, there's a lot of parts that I think would just stand out and sing even more if we had the second guitar playing those, you know what I mean? And it's always easy to go back after the fact now, listen to it and go, Oh crap. You know? Yeah. I mean, you can do it. I mean, I've, I've seen Marty Friedman live twice and I mean, Holy shit. Like anybody, anybody, Anybody watching or listening back, like if, if Marty Friedman comes around on a solo tour, whatever you do, run, don't walk. That is that is not just some like dude standing. His backing band absolutely jumps around and they thrash like the drummer was hanging from the rafters at one point at, at the second show I saw. Like they're fantastic. So but Marty Friedman had a rhythm guitar player, Jordan Ziff, and they were doing like the, the harmonizing. They were harmonizing all that stuff. And um, so, I mean, it, it definitely fills out the sound. Um, I don't know. I just, it never, it it didn't bother me like me as much as it, you know, might've like, you were like, you were thinking about it. I I really wasn't. I'm like, it's John Petrucci. Just let's go. (laughs) Well, at the time I wasn't thinking about it at all, but just after going back and listening, it's just kind of interesting. Sure. Um, And after tunnel vision, they go into damage control. Another uh, cool song off the first one, uh, snake in my boot. That was, that was, that was awesome, man. Like, yep. I don't know. That has like kind of greasy '80s, like you know, riff. I don't know. It sounds sort of hair metal-y, swamp ish mixed together. But yeah, you got the crowd clapping along to that one and stuff. That's just a, that's just another really kind of odd, super cool song with a lot of cool stuff in it. Yep. And, and then, then you got uh, Temple, of Circ- Temple of Circadia. Was that our last one? That yep. Temple of Circa. I was I was gonna say like every time I think about this song I think about Wayne Joyner's video because it's just so goddamn cool. <laughs> like, yeah, our buddy Wayne, man, that video is oh my god. I love all of his stuff, but I Temple of Circadia might be my favorite one that he's done. Like that is just so unbelievably cool. So I'll have to watch um, it again. I don't remember it. Yeah, it's it's awesome. But yeah, I mean, and then obviously you, you knew the encore was gonna be Glasgow Kiss. You know, you you can't. Can't have a John Petrucci show without that. I mean, he plays it everywhere. It's kind of like Marty Friedman, you know, mentioning him again, doing doing a show and not playing the Tornado of Souls uh, solo from Megadeth. So, um, 
Yeah, the, the whole thing was just, you know, it was like, I mean, it was an hour and 45 minutes. And I think it was like perfectly timed, at least for me. Because it was like, you know, right as you're like, all right, I'm ready to go. You know, they, they hit Temple of Circadia and you know, okay, this is going to be the last song. And then, you know, there's going to be an encore. So you, you could finally be like, all right, there's two more songs. I'm cool, you know. Because it, it's, I love Shred Guitar. I, I love everything to happen. But after you've listened to it for about an hour and a half, you're like, yeah. okay, like, you know, I got an hour and a half's worth of jams in. Let's go. And and it was, so I, I thought the show was perfectly timed. You know, I don't think anybody left disappointed. I don't think anybody left going, oh, that was way too long. And I mean, it was really perfect, I thought. Yeah, I agree. I, I cheated like a week or two ago. and just, I was like, oh, I just want to see what, what they're playing, you know, basically. <laughs> what is it with you in the set list, man? I don't know. Well, well, I kind of, I sort of wanted to familiarize myself with some of the stuff on the first okay. album that I didn't listen to that much. And then it turns out they didn't play much of it anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. They didn't play that. Uh, was it? Is it Thinking of You or the one that kind of has the Satriani slower ballad off the first one? I really like that song, and I yeah. like the I like the very last song on there too. That was kind of bummed we didn't get those, but I was so glad that we got Tunnel Vision because that that just just killer. Yeah, but like uh, I, said, like, I was I was really surprised that we only got four songs out of eleven off of uh, Suspended Animation. I was really surprised by that. I was, you know, I mean, he really treated it like like a new tour. <laughs> it was like it was interesting to me. But I mean, you know, the new record is so goddamn good that it's like, okay, you can't really complain, right? Oh, I know the one that I was boned. I love uh, glass glass eyed zombies. I absolutely yes. love that off the new album. Like that, yep. that that to me almost has a there's almost a John Five type vibe going on now, and I was like, man, I wish he played, and he didn't. I, when I saw that wasn't on there, I was kind of pumped. But, <laughs> right. but you know, the rest of it's like you said, sounds so good. So who cares? <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, dude, it was just it was absolutely mind blowing. It was just, I mean, God, like I say, it was it was nostalgic to see him in Portnoy again, and I. I still feel guilty. I was barely watching Dave LaRue and I really wanted to because he's just a world class player. But I mean, uh, even the lighting, I have to, I have, that's one thing I would say. Even the lighting was like mostly on just like John and Mike. So it's yeah. like, poor Dave LaRue. It's like, at least he's collecting a paycheck, right? <laughs> oh, he knows no one's there to see him. I mean, he's got the easiest yeah. job in the world, you know, he's the backup quarterback, yep. you know, making three million a year. And I mean, you know, but yeah. yeah, he was he was awesome. I mean, I you know, this is not to disparage him, but it, it I don't think it would have mattered who was up there playing bass yeah. when you've got those two out there, unless it was my young, but even my young when he's with Dream Theater, it's like, oh man, he's awesome, but you're just you're you're watching Petrucci or you're watching everybody else other usually than my young, you know, because yeah, because he just kind of stands there and just does his effortless thing like he's not even like breathing barely because <laughs> he's <laughs> right. so damn good, you know, like yeah. No, it was, dude it was it was incredible it was just one of those things like you know we 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 may never we may never see it again like you know my wife she was asking me like you know i think i think i've seen dream theater 20 it's either 21 or 22 times now and you know she was asking me when i bought the tickets like why are you going like you've seen that band so many times i'm like yeah but it's this isn't their music it's like you know it's the guitar player it's like He's doing solo stuff like and she's like, but haven't you seen him a ton of times already? And I said, well, yeah, but like this is different and I may never see this again. This may be the only solo tour he ever gets to do. So 
I think that kind of added to how cool it was to see it. I mean, how do you feel about that? Because for me, I was like, God damn, that'd be cool if like if he only does the one tour and we can say, hell yeah, I was in Cleveland, man. I saw that. Yeah, because it's a timing thing and it's a money thing, you know. I, I'm shocked that it sold out. I mean, it was it looked like it was sold out, but to me, but you I mean, you just never know anymore how this stuff's gonna go, you know. I mean, people yeah. just don't buy instrumental albums and well, they don't buy albums, period, anymore. I don't I don't know how many people downloaded it and actually paid for it or whatever but um you know just financially that you know what i mean it's like it's just hard to to justify you can't go out there and lose money you know and he's got to play yeah. he's, they got to pay portnoy and, and larue and <clears throat> and everything else yeah well before we get out of here one of the things we wanted to do at the end of this was you know since we're talking about instrumental music you and i wanted to bring some stuff to the table that we really get into uh, instrumental records. Oh, I'm sorry. You had three instrumental songs. <laughs> I misunderstood the the assignment. I thought you said three instrumental records. So I'm looking at records, and, and the other day you were like, "Yeah, I picked my three songs." I was like, "Wait, what? Three songs?" <laughs> like, well, that's not totally true. I had two albums, and then I ended up with one song. So okay, we'll just do yeah, this I, however we do it. We we didn't put too much thought into it, like like most stuff. Yeah, yeah. We we just kind of wanted to throw our 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 two cents, you know. Our two cents worth out there. Um, interesting. Michael Gall Productions is mentioning a guitar player I'm about to mention. He says, I like Zach Wilde, but Petrucci needs to replace him in Generation X. Michael, I am going to completely disagree with you on that. I think Zach Wilde brings a straight-up heavy metal, hard rock vibe to that tour that would not otherwise be there. I really like what Zach brings, like, attitude-wise and, like, 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 crowd participation wise so i i'm actually going to disagree with you there I, you know i love john petrucci love him to death but i think just adding more straight shred like technical you know technicality to that tour i i i think zach adds something different so i, I like i like that he's there is that like another version of g3 or something i haven't heard of that yeah oh go look up the record dude it's uh god someone correct me in the chat if i'm wrong here so it, i think it's five guitar players it's uh okay it's ingve Steve Vai, Zach Wilde, Nuno Betancourt, and um, oh god, is it Cetriani? I, I'm gonna get crucified for this, but um, someone, someone in the chat who knows better than I do, um, post the five guitar players. But yeah, I, I can't believe you don't know about this. Yeah, it's they did a tour of it. They've got a record of it and everything, and it's oh my god. Um, so That's yeah, but enough. yeah, so so Brian and I wanted to kind of just bring up a couple instrumental records or artists that we are really into since we're talking about Petrucci and his solo tour. Um, not sure. I'm, I'm sure mine you guys have heard of, but um, oh, Jack's guitar said it's Tosin of Animals as Leaders. Okay, so to okay, so Tosin Abasi was the fifth one. Okay. All right. Um, so you had two albums and a song. I have two artists and one record. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, let, let's get to your song first. So your song was the Gilberto Concerto. Yes. So I'll let you talk about that because I, I have some thoughts on that as well. Yeah, it's basically, it's a Bach Concerto. Um, that did he, he does. So, sorry to cut you off because I have to ask. Like, did he write this originally or is this an actual, like, is this a cover? No, it's a Baroque uh, classical piece by uh by the great Johann Sebastian Bach. So or, it's, or, or Johann, if if you're counting at home, speaking properly. Sorry, Johann Sebastian Batch. 
Sebastian. I'm a huge Bach fan. I when I first started piano, like I just I love like this, you know, the counter melodies, the the counterpoints, the beautiful melodic harmonies. And there's a math to Bach. It always kind of resolves and it's always major, it's always happy, it's always upbeat. It's it's always kind of fun and and with a, a little bit of a serious undertone. But I just I've always loved anything Bach's ever ever done, and I used to, I probably enjoyed playing that the most. And and it was easier for me to play and pick up on just because of how mathematical it was. I could see how things were going to always sort of go. Sure, that's also the knock that people have on it. Well, it's simplistic and this and that. And I'm like, which yeah. is bullshit. To me. I mean, it's thank you amazing <laughs> classical baroque music and and the way that 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 uh, Gilbert attacks this on guitar. And I mean, it's just layers upon layers of all of these, these harmonies. And, and I don't know, it just, it has that feeling of like sort of this time of year, like it's, you know, I'm not comparing it to like the Messiah or whatever, but it's, I don't know. Yeah. It has a, it has a holiday wintery type of feel like you feel like you're going to go down to watch Cleveland orchestra play or something, or, you know, or the New York Philharmonic and they're going to bust this out. And, and, um, I don't know. I just I just thought it was amazing and amazingly well done. And it's actually on an album. Um, one of his solo albums called Flying Dog. Yep. <laughs> Excuse me, which <laughs> actually turns out is the only instrumental on that album. So <laughs> Wow, okay. Um, yeah, I didn't know he rest... had vocals on anything. All right. Yeah, he does have a bunch of vocals. I, I thought it was okay. It's kind of like um it had a very sort of enough's enough type feel to me i guess maybe beatles okay. enough, enough-ish little bit of cheap trick thrown in there kind of in terms of okay. when he was and stuff in the songs I, I mean, i'm interested to kind of go back now and sort of listen to the, the to the rest of the songs but uh yeah i i remember seeing this video like years and years and years ago and i just assumed it was on one of his instrumental albums so when i went to search it out then i find out oh wait never mind it's on this <laughs> but i'm like i have to bring this up just because i think it sounds so good sure yeah, my, my first one, I'll, I'll do I'll do an artist first and anybody who's watched the show or listened to the show even maybe once or twice has probably heard me mention this guy, uh, Marcos Fogli. I God, I I cannot get enough Marcos Fogli. He's got three records. Uh, the first one is There's Hope. It's in 2008. Remarkable. It's 2012. And then Homeland in 2019. And I. I just absolutely love Marco's playing. Uh, he he was on a couple James Labrie solo records. Uh, he uh, he was on the most recent one actually. He did a lot of acoustic guitar solos um, on a beautiful shade of gray. Dude, he's just always got this huge melody in everything. It's it, it's it's just unbelievable. I, I've I've got a list of like like ten songs or something across the three records as like suggestions, and it you know. I first discovered Marco because I was I, I I think it was on YouTube. I was going down a guitar rabbit hole at work one time and I'd watched a video and then it was set on autoplay and something else came up and I was it's just this crazy guitar jam I'm like what the hell is that? And I, I looked at the screen, I pulled up and it, it was uh this you know guy Marcos Fogley's album's called Remarkable. I'm like, well that's kind of cheesy of a title, kind of cool though and so I, I went down that Marco rabbit hole. I looked up the record. I was like, oh, my God. And I've been hooked ever since. I've turned a lot of my friends on to Marco's stuff. Um, we're trying to get Marco on the show. Uh, hopefully this helps because I'm fanboying all over him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he, it's it's just all these different things. And, you know, it, it's 
it's basically if you're into the John Petrucci solo stuff, you I think you'll love the Marco stuff because it's it's the it's in the same vein. There's always that that melody throughout. Um, it's a little more straightforward. There's not nearly as much prog in Marco's stuff, but I mean he's got like jazz in there. He's got rock. He's got metal. All these kind of different styles. And again, just when that guy solos, it's like he just bleeds melody. Like, I don't think he could do a discordant solo if his life depended on it. You could pay that guy a million dollars to do his discordant solo, and it wouldn't happen. So, I mean, it's just, there's so many great things about his catalog. And again, the three records are There's Hope, Remarkable, and Homeland. So go check those out. I I cannot say enough good things about Marcos Fogli. Like, and again, I hope, you know... Look, <laughs> we actually have an enough's enough comment <laughs> before we get to your next selection. Uh, Michael Gall Productions, enough's enough is strange without Donnie V. You can't replace that voice. That is a whole other conversation, and I really yeah. wish Chris Aiken was watching right now because he could totally comment on that. But yeah, um, Brian, over under is is uh, is that the only time we'll ever have an enough's enough reference or a Donnie V reference on talking into it? Uh, probably the only Donnie V. Well, we might get another enough's enough one. I bet. <laughs> I think you mentioned it before, so I think you did bring them up at some point. But yeah. Um. All right. So you your your next one again. We we each have three real quick ones, and then we'll you know close up shop for the night but yeah i picked uh joe satriani's flying in a blue dream and um, oh not surfing with the alien okay yeah you know i, I guess that one was too obvious great album sure. too but uh, i i love the title track on flying in a blue dream i don't know if you ever heard it but it starts out it's like with a clean almost acoustic picking thing and then just goes into just one of those classic satriani melodies it just gets just keeps boring deeper and deeper in your brain and twisting around, twisting around. And a couple other highlights is a song called Mystical Potato Head Groove Thing. It's just like <laughs> it's like almost like these southern fried, you know, bluesy, swampy type riffs. Um, the one bad thing is this is when he does start singing. So <laughs> his songs can't slow down like he sings on. I, I don't know. I just I don't really want to hear Joe Satriani sing. Like, all right, so so so. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. Feet to the fire. Would you rather hear Joe Satriani sing or would you rather hear Ingve Malmsteen sing? Oh, God. Um, if I'm going to see them live, probably Joe Satriani. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, our, our Joseph Friend, good to see you, man. Discuss Metal Joe says, Brian, no engines of creation? I don't know if that's a Satriani or not. I, I He has so <laughs> many albums. I fully admit there's no way I can keep up with all of the albums that all these guys put out anymore we finally stumped the hendo like we got oh, stumped yeah. the trunk we're gonna have stumped the hendo on here yeah it doesn't take much trust me there's there's just 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 too much out there anymore it's it's really difficult are you kidding me you just went you just went yeah i'm a big i'm a big bach fan and i'm over here going i like van halen <laughs> <laughs> well also bach hasn't released anything since i don't know 1704 or whatever <laughs> I, i've heard he's got a new record coming yeah. out I've heard, yeah. I've heard I've heard it's a banger. <laughs> well, here's Bell, I wanted to yeah. ask you this one. Did your friend yes. figure out how to transfer a ticket? <laughs> All right. So real quick story. We'll get we'll get to our last couple ones here. So Michael Gall, yeah. Did your friend figure out how to transfer a ticket? No, he did not. So my buddy Jimmy, I love him to death. I go to Dream Theater shows with him. Brian has been with him, uh, met him and stuff, hang out and um but man, it's I it's, certain things jimmy is a complete idiot and i had bought us tickets and he wasn't sure when he was going to get downtown 
to the show. So I was like, all right, I'll just do it, you know, transfer. So I go and take, I'm like, what's your email address? Type it in, did the transfer. And it's just sitting there. And after like a month, I'm like, idiot, are you going to accept this transfer? We talk, I don't know how to do it. It's just not, there's nothing that says accept the transfer. Like, so long story short, I tried this transfer with him three times. Never worked. This dingbat. So fine, I'm like, just meet me downtown, whatever. So <laughs> we met up. And yeah, he could not figure out how to accept a ticket transfer on Ticketmaster. He's uh, not the sharpest stick in the drawer. I love him to death. He's he's a great, great, great friend of mine. Been friends for God over twenty years, but man, he's an idiot sometimes. <laughs> so that's a long way of answering your question, Michael Gall. No, Jimmy did not figure out how to transfer a ticket. So, <laughs> well, we have another comment from Discussion so, Metal Joe. JT loves beef oven. Ask him how much. That's that means you're gonna do the beef. Just a, it's just a movie about a dog. Like I don't know what the big deal is. The bo- the dog's name is Beethoven, dude. The condu- the conductor is, the, the composer and conductor is is Beethoven. So. Oh, okay. Sorry, I, I get it right. <laughs> so, so the next one that I have, dude. Um, another art. I have Pliny, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening are familiar with him. There's really not a good way to classify. It's it's all over the place. And he's got two albums. He's got Handmade Cities in 2016, uh, Impulse Voices in 2020, and he's got a bunch of EPs of a couple songs here and there. He's got a couple singles. Um, he basically kind of does everything. I mean, it's like metal to fusion to jazz to like it, it, all these different weird styles. It's just it's always interesting. There's not really a good way to say oh here's a song you got to listen to if you want to get into Pliny it's like just look up Pliny and pull up one of the two records like I say Handmade Cities or Impulse Voices and just listen to it like it's it's really interesting to the ear it's it's you know um I'm really pissed off because a couple years ago he actually came to him I think he's Australian or something I want to say Australian and he came to America for a tour and he's playing in in Columbus Ohio it's some tiny bar and it was on a Sunday night and I I had like management meetings on Monday and I just could not go. It's a two hour drive, you know, each way and I just couldn't make it. I'm so pissed. But um to our buddy Kale McLeish, if you are listening, he is touring very soon in Australia. You've got to go see Pliny. So um he's got a lot of Australian dates, so go check out Pliny. And um to, to those of you guys watching or listening again, check him out. It's it's crazy. It's it's hard to describe. It's just you know, it's great instrumental. Like if you like heavy stuff, like funk stuff, like it's, there's something for everybody, man. It's really cool. So Pliny is number two on my list of three. So what do you still have remaining? I put the uh, second album by um, probably my one of my all time favorite musicians, guitar players, Tony McAlpine's Maximum Security. Nice. This has some great guest uh, appearances. Jeff Watson from Night Ranger, George Lynch, uh, Dean Castronova is on a bunch. I, the thing I love about this album the most, and he did it on his first album too, is just there's this really cool, decent, subtle amount of keyboard programming going on. There's nothing too totally insane, but it just really, I think it fills up the mix awesome. I mean, listening to this now, you know, it sort of sinks in. Oh my God, this is 35 years old, you know? <laughs> right. Well, the production is obviously going to sound a little dating, but the, the melodies to me just still sound great. And there's enough prog and shred. And, and he also does a, uh, he does a Chopin, um, uh, an etude, etude, however you want to say it, 
on the piano like it's 400 million miles an hour out to play it for you sometime you're just like i don't know how a human being can play that so you know he's basically a classically trained concert pianist that can play guitar like it's just nobody's business and he throws in you know that classical piano piece in the midst of all this awesome shredding and um yeah i mean just a great great album um it's one of those albums that i don't know probably almost every two three months i just throw it on and listen to at least half of it it's just one of those that i i can never get away from it's just a great great album in my book awesome yeah my my final choice dude is um I, I, maybe this is recency bias i don't i don't know if it is because i like a lot of his stuff but um Derek Sherinian's newest record, uh, Vortex. I I love it. the The songs are you know they're concise. I think the you know there's there's like an eleven minute song at the end, but I mean the longest one other than it's like six and a half, and otherwise they're like four four and a half. It's obviously very you know rock oriented, like to his thing. It's like and it's I think I probably like this one because it's very guitar oriented. Like I mean the the guest guitarist on this one, he's got Steve Stevens. Joe Bonamassa, Bumblefoot, Michael Shanker, Zach Wild, Mike Stern, and Nuno Betancourt. And it's, I mean, there's just so much going on in here, but it's all concise and it just rocks. And it, it, it's not too long. It's an easy listen. And if you're into Derek's playing, it's, it's, it's fantastic. He really plays off the guitars really well. And it is just a really cool, really cool record. There's a couple of really funky songs on here. Uh, Scorpion is one of them. It's just this like this weird jazzy piano thing that he does um key lime blues it's not blues it's like this it's got this really poppy kind of sound like it's man it's it's really really cool man it's it's just a great record and you know hopefully we can get Derek on the show sometime and you know do an interview with him and let's see you know that that'd be a blast so uh all right i think you have one more don't you uh i'll throw in one more actually i only had three but uh okay i figured you had one more so yeah i mean i i gotta go with the first the guy that we always that i always kind of still make fun of only because i just know what he did at one time but but in the first ingve album i mean it just far beyond the sun black star um you know the the vocal stuff that jeff scott soto was on it's first time that i'd ever heard jeff scott soto yep and, and, and most, a lot of these guys would never even gotten a chance to make instrumental albums if it wasn't for Ingve. That's just just kind of a fact. And um, he's a guy that I think is so lost in his own ego, unfortunately, and been that way <laughs> yeah. for quite some time. And and it's it's sad. And I've I've come on the show many times, and somehow it's the topic of Ingve's come up. And I don't know. It just it's just sad to me because I there's no reason he cannot be making quality music with quality musicians around him right now but he's just too stubborn set in his own ways but uh yeah the first uh the first Ingve Malmsteen you know the rising force I mean that just that's just a masterpiece front to back well, there you go man that's I knew you had one more so I was like yeah, I gotta bring this up so uh yeah dude this was this was a blast it was you know hanging out at the show last night was cool and man like I like I said earlier like we may never ever you know we may never get to see that again. That's it, you know, he said my first my first ever solo tour. Like okay, well, you've gone what sixteen years between solo records or four or fifteen or whatever. So who knows when it's going to happen again? So it was really cool to you know it was great that we we had a date in town 
because otherwise we would have had to travel and all the weekend dates that were within driving distance I couldn't make. And you and I like to go if it's in driving distance, you know, as much as we hate spending time together. Um, yeah, <laughs> we like to we like to make road trips together to go see these things. So it was cool that we you know just got to drive right down the road, you know, somewhat. And uh, yeah, I, in I, hometown. I, I'm curious if. I mean, maybe we're thinking this wrong. Maybe because that they're all older, they're not going to want to tour as much in dream theaters, so they'll fill their time doing this kind of stuff, you know, maybe filling in these dates here and there. But again, you know, time is, is not infinite. So, yeah. yeah this, this, I don't know. We'll be – I guess if we're betting on what, – what would you put a percentage chance we get another Petrucci show in Cleveland? I don't know. Tw- 15? Is that how high? About, <laughs> how about another tour? Not just a show in Cleveland, like, yeah. I mean, you would well, have to think of, if he does do another tour, you would think you'd try to hit other cities that he didn't hit on this one, right? Yeah, I just, I just know lately, like Cleveland, just like, I mean, like Anthrax, like, I mean, just everything. Nothing comes there anymore. It's just like it just does not. It Alter Bridge, you know, the, with Wolf again, like it. They, I don't know. These bands just are not coming to Cleveland. I don't know what if it's we just don't have the right venue, the right size, or but it just seems like you got to go somewhere else to see these almost all the time so i i put it very low that we would get petrucci back here i would agree i like i said i don't even know what the percentage of him doing another solo tour period is so um yeah i guess i guess we will see so uh dude this was fun our next episode excuse me is not actually going to be on thursday in two weeks it's going to be on wednesday so it'll be wednesday november 30th because on thursday december 1st you and I are going to be seeing Jeff Tate. So we, we'll, we are. It's my special birthday show. And yes. so we will have a special birthday podcast that I have to figure out what we're going to do. I, I was just about to say, like, because it's your it's your birthday for Jeff Tate. Since we're doing the show on Wednesday that 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 week on November 30th, you get to pick the topic. Have you chosen something yet? No, I better get on it quick, though. I don't want to wait till the last minute. So, yeah, you know, I like to set up the next show at the end of doing this show. So like, right, you, you've got you've got two minutes. Sorry, pick something. Okay. Let's go. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's going to be Brian's birthday show in two weeks. Again, it is on Wednesday, November 30th. It is not going to be on Thursday, December 1st. So it'll be on a Wednesday. And then after that. We are going to be live. It'll be back on Thursday. And we got a couple jacked up dates coming up. It is going to be Thursday, December 15th, and we are doing a deep dive into Sons of Apollo's Psychotic Symphony. And we have reached out to somebody who might join us to deep dive it. Absolutely nothing has been confirmed or even responded to yet, but we are trying to get somebody pretty cool to deep dive Psychotic Symphony with us. And the show after that, ladies and gentlemen, is on Friday December 30th, and that is the annual Fan Hangout. So, as we've said on previous shows, if you would like to take part in the Fan Hangout, if you would like to jump on camera and co-host Talking Into Infinity, just send us an email to talkingintoinfinity at gmail.com, and we'll send you the details, and you guys can come on and talk about whatever you would like music-related with Brian and I. Help lead the show. Uh, That's always a fun one. We've done it once, so when I say always, I, I mean it was a fun one when we did it last year. But, um, yeah, that's going to be a good episode. So we've got our very next episode will be on Wednesday, November 30th. It is Brian's birthday episode, and he's going to pick the topic. So he's going to spin the wheel and see what lands. 
So, uh, dude, this was a total blast. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the chat. It was uh, Michael Gall Productions. Great to hang out with you last night. Obviously, Robert Reams, good to hang out. Jack's Guitars. Kristen Goodwin, good to see you live. Uh, dude, all of our very good friends. Joe Gebhardt, thanks for tuning in. John Horgan, good to see you, man. Chris Aiken. And Brian, let's do this all again in a couple weeks. You are on the clock, my friend. Figure out a topic and let's do it. All right, sounds good. All right, guys. Well, thanks very much for tuning in to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. We will see you on November 30th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button. And guys, as always, until next time, carpe diem. <laughs>